had searched for life's meaning enslaved by the world and my grief then the door of my prison free, aren't you? Let's all stand. Fellas, you're a blessing. I appreciate these fellas. And I would say to all of them, as long as you keep singing for Jesus, God's going to bless you. Ever get in that entertainment mode, then you're downhill from there. But just live for Jesus and sing for him and he'll bless you. You've been a blessing already. And I'd say that to everybody, me or anybody. Let's do it for Jesus, not for any fleshly reason or purpose. Whatever you do, you just do it for Jesus Christ and God will bless you. I believe that. Amen. Let's all come. Let's gather around the altar. Let's ask the Lord to bless tonight and to open our hearts up and to do things in our heart tonight. Just glorify the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for setting us free. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom from the bondage of sin and from the power of Satan. Thank you so much for the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to learn to appropriate that freedom tonight and all that we have in Christ. Bless this service. Touch us tonight. Feed our hungry souls. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask these things. 
Amen. Let's let our Awana leaders come forward and present our Awana awards tonight. While they're coming, I've got one question for you. Uh, how, those of you that are names are on the insurance for driving the vans, raise your hand. Who who's on the insurance? Okay, Trish. All right. We need you, 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 you on Wednesday nights. We'll see you there. <laughs> Thank you very much. I should have said, how many of you love Jesus? How many have good enough records that you could get on the insurance? No, our goal with the Awana Clubs is to reach boys and girls with the gospel of Christ and to train them to serve him. And for us to be able to reach these clubbers, we need to be able to pick them up. We have a lot of clubbers here in church and parents that love God and a lot of you. And we are so thankful that you are here every week and that you bring your children to club. But there are a lot of children in our neighborhood that don't have that privilege. And we want to reach them with the gospel of Christ. And for us to be able to do that, we are praying for more men and women that can work in our bus ministry. We are now currently trying to work it to where uh, you would only have to commit to one Wednesday night a month. And it looks like things are working that way. We are uh, currently now running one van in the East Ridge area and one van in the East Lake area. We would like to add another van to the East Lake area because I've run it uh, here the past couple weeks and I am, you just don't know the feeling when you are driving down the road and you're passing up kids 
that are playing on the side of the road and you know that you would love to bring them to church and teach them about Christ, but you can't because you've already got 18 kids on the van. And you're having to bring them back and drop them off and try to go out and get some more, and you can't seem to get it all done. And it is very disheartening, and we want to reach this community, and we have the ability, we have the capability. We need your prayers, we need your support, um, but we do want to reach these boys and girls with the gospel of Christ. And uh, that is our goal. Our goal this year is to be, by the end of year, averaging over 200 in Awana. We currently are averaging around, around 140. That's including leaders. So we're hoping to add at least 50 clubbers uh, on average by the end of the year. We can do it. They're, they are all around us. But we need your help. We need the help and continued support of the church, and we appreciate that. And we are trying to work out things to be able to have transportation, another van, a bus, or something to be able to do this. But we want to reach our community. And by us going in, which brings me to the point, Tuesday night, leaders, we need everyone that can to be here this Tuesday night uh, to go out on visitation. We normally have visitation. They have the, uh, uh, their visitation on Thursday. This is something that we're going to be adding as an extra once a month just to visit uh, Awana uh, children, clubbers that are new to club. And we want to, because this is our way to get into the door in a non-threatening way and just to, and to get to these parents. And uh, we have a true burden for this, and we appreciate your prayers and continued support. And those of you that can help us and have the ability, um, please do um, what God has called you to do. Thank you. Our club represents the Sparks, kindergarten, first and second, uh, boys and girls. And we're going to start off with one of our kindergartners. This is Amanda Thompson. Amanda's earned her book, her vest, and her official membership card. She had to learn John 3.16, the pledges to the American flag, the Awana flag, our key verse, our motto, our song, and come to club. Okay, we're the third and fourth grade girls, the chums, and I have Abby Hensley. She's getting two silver arrowheads. She did her service section and patriotism. And also, Abby is our chum of the month. We're the PALS, the third and fourth grade young men, and we want to honor two clubbers tonight. First, we have Logan Reel. Logan is a first-year clubber in PALS, and in three weeks, he has completed his entrance book. He completed seven sections, including six Bible verses, learning the Awana theme song, and the pledges to the American flag and the Awana flag. And for that, he receives his uniform, his membership card, and his brave handbook. And this is Christopher Sherwood. He's a second-year clubber in PALS. And during the first three weeks of the uh, club, he has completed eight sections. That included memorizing and reciting 23 Bible verses. So he has earned 6,900 points, the most in clubs. So he is our PAL Clubber of the Month. Congratulations. Lord, for that. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering. And I appreciate the Awana workers going out visiting on Tuesday night. That's a blessing to hear about. And uh, just excited about folks wanting to go out 
And uh, that's so very, very important. Faith on Thursday night is just moving right along. We praise the Lord for that. But I appreciate all of you wanting to go out and reach others. Let's pray now and ask God to bless the offering. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to give. Bless the giving of your children tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. procession over on the streets of gold when the redeemed are gathering in oh what singing o'er that city when the when the redeemed are gathering in
the joys of this life are abundant for sure. God's blessings are ours now to share. There's victory in Jesus every step of the way, but more glory awaits us up there. Yes, more glory awaits us up the strength you give to simply carry on through life's toils and tests the worst and best I'm never left alone you're always right beside me you hear me when I pray and since I first began you've been my dearest friend I'll give you all the praise 
we're singing thanks. Everything's going wrong, even on that mountain, his loving presence makes me strong. Each and every moment of each and every day, I'm gonna sing and shout, won't let the rocks cry out. I'll give you all the praise. I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna sing to you, Lord. Yes, I do. tonight as the choir comes down get out shake hands with everyone around make folks welcome we have a lot of visitors here tonight make them feel at home love lifted me we'll sing that in just a minute
start turning over to page 519. It's your songbook, 519, Love Lifted Me, 519. Everybody get your book now. On the first now. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my discovery cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I, love lifted me.
beyond its power to solve. Other situations he's not the master of. Is anything too hard for God? Other situations he's not the master of. Is anything too hard for God? Joshua. The book of Joshua chapter 1, and as you know, last Sunday night we began making our way through the book of Joshua. Tonight I want us to continue where we left off, beginning in verse 5. Would you stand please as we honor the reading of his word, Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. And I want to share with you a thought tonight and speak to you on this subject, how to be a strong and courageous Christian. How to be a strong and courageous Christian. Look at Joshua 1, verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, <coughs> excuse me, my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Thank you. you. may be seated. Let's pray. And tonight I want us to think, as I said, about how to be a strong and courageous Christian. Let's try to learn tonight from God's Word. Our Father, tonight we are mindful that there is nothing impossible with you that you are a God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You are a God that has declared yourself to be God in the Bible. And you are a God that has proven yourself to be God in our lives through the years. And we have learned by experience as well as what you declare in the Scripture that there is nothing impossible with you and so tonight we gather with grateful hearts that we know you and you are our God. Now, Father, tonight we want to learn how to be victorious believers. We don't want to live a defeated life or an empty life or a fruitless life. 
But we want to live victorious and know the blessing and the fullness of God in our life. And we want to learn how to be a strong and courageous believer. So speak to us tonight, and from the Word of God, may we glean from the Scriptures that which will help us to be strong and courageous as a child of God. Lord, I pray you'd spare us from the mechanics, but give us a word now, and let us listen to you, and let us hear from you, and we'll thank you and praise you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, and ask these things, amen. If you were here last Sunday night, you know that we began a journey through the book of Joshua. As we, all, as we always do on Sunday night, make our way through a book in the Bible. But last Sunday night, we began making our way through the book of Joshua. And I reminded you and told you last Sunday night that the real heartbeat of the book of Joshua is victorious Christian living. As I said last Sunday night, if you want to learn how to be victorious as a believer, then the book of Joshua is for you. If you want to know how to be an overcomer in life, if you want to know how to live a life of blessing and a life of fullness and a life of abundance, if you want to be an overcomer, then the book of Joshua is the book you want to get into. For Joshua is a book that demonstrates and defines what it means to live a victorious Christian life. I once again remind you that Canaan in the Bible is not a type of heaven, though often we use it that way. and I don't think we do any kind of injustice to the Scripture in using it that way, but when you look at the Scriptures, Canaan is not a type of heaven. Jordan is not a type of physical death whereby we go into heaven. Jordan is a type of death, as we saw last Sunday night. It is a type of spiritual death. It is not a type of physical death. It represents dying to the old man. Just like the children of Israel, when they crossed the Jordan to go into Canaan, they were dying to the 40 years of wilderness wandering. They were dying to a carnal life. They were dying to the old life. You might say they were dying to the old man, going down in the Jordan in death and coming out on resurrection ground in Canaan. Jordan is a type of dying to ourself, and Canaan is a type of living a Christ life, which is a victorious Christian life. Now, it may be someone here tonight that would say, Brother Ken, what do you mean when you talk about victorious Christian living? What do you mean when you talk about being a victorious Christian? Well, there are many things uh, about that, many things about being a victorious Christian, but I would say this. Among many things, one thing about being a victorious Christian is being a strong and a courageous Christian. Being a strong and a courageous Christian is involved in this matter of being a victorious believer. And at the very beginning of Joshua, that's what God talks to Joshua about. He has given them in verses 1 through 4 a word to Israel as a nation. Now he speaks to Joshua personally, and he encourages Joshua to be a strong and a courageous believer. So being a victorious Christian involves many things, but one of them is being a strong and courageous believer. Many would be like the farmer that I heard about that was farm, whose farm was failing. His wife needed surgery. The bills were past due. And the banks would not lend him a cent. So he decided that the only thing he could do was rob a bank. So he got him a bag for which the teller to put the money in. And he got him a gun, not having any plans to hurt anybody, but just to frighten the teller. So he got this bag and he got this gun and went down to the bank. 
He was terrified, scared to death, so he was walking, pacing back and forth in front of the bank, trying to get enough courage uh, to go in. So finally, he mustered up enough courage, and he walked up to the teller, still terrified, still scared to death, and he shoved the gun at the teller and then pointed the bag at her and said, Now, don't stick with me. This is a mess up. Well, I want to say many believers... I've known many believers that have messed up, and I've known many, and hear about them all the time, mess up. We've all messed up at one time or another. But we mess up because we lack spiritual strength and we lack spiritual courage. It is being a strong and a courageous believer. When I think of the matter of being strong and courageous, I think about a fella at a bar that leaned over to a guy sitting next to him, and he looked at him and he said, you want to hear a Yankee joke? Now, there may be some Yankees here tonight. I know I'm fixing to get in hot water. But this fellow looked over at him and said, want to hear a Yankee joke? And the guy looked at him and kind of slowly turned around and stared at him. And he said, now, before you tell the joke, you should know that I'm six foot tall, 200 pounds, and I am a Yankee. And I want you to know that the guy sitting next to me is six foot two, weighs 225 pounds, and he's a Yankee. And the fellow sitting next to him is six foot five, weighs 250 pounds, and he's a Yankee. Now, do you want to still tell the joke? And the fellow said, nah, I don't have to explain it three times. Well, I'm talking about being strong and being courageous. You notice in Joshua chapter 1 that three times, God told Joshua to be strong and courageous. You notice in verse 6, he said, Be strong and very, or be strong and of good courage. In verse 7, he said to him in the beginning of verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous. And then he said in verse 9, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Now here was God's word to Joshua. I want you to be a strong and I want you to be a courageous Christian. Now, I can imagine what this word meant to Joshua. You see, Joshua, verse 1, talks about the death of Moses. Joshua is now just assuming leadership. He has followed a very, very popular and a very powerful leader. And I can imagine there was somewhat, there was some intimidation in the mind of Joshua. And I can imagine he was somewhat apprehensive about being the leader of a nation and what lie ahead. And I think sometimes in our Christian life, we're a little bit intimidated and a little bit apprehensive about certain things. God tells us to do certain things, and we think to ourselves, I don't know if I can really live that kind of life. And I don't know that I can really be all that God wants me to be. But yet God said to Joshua, you be strong and you be courageous. And God says through Joshua to our hearts tonight to be strong and be courageous. In other words, God is wanting us to be strong and courageous Christians. Well, how do we become strong and courageous Christians? Look at the text. And I point out three things from the word that God gave to Joshua about being strong and courageous. Three times, he said, I want you to be strong and courageous. How do we become a strong and courageous Christian? I want you to notice, first of all, that to be a strong and courageous Christian, first of all, be conscious, conscious of the presence of God. You notice what he said beginning in verse 5. He said, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, or I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Look down in verse 9. He said, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. 
Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. What God was reminding Joshua and assuring Joshua was of his presence. God was telling Joshua, I want you to be strong because I'm with you. I want you to be courageous because I am with you. He said, wherever you go, whatever the circumstance in your life, whatever the situation in your life, I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous. And I want you to be strong and courageous because I am with thee. I want you to understand tonight that God is with us. Do you believe that? Now, there are times that we don't feel God, and there are times we don't sense God, but I want you to understand this. There is never a moment in the life of the child of God that we are not in the presence of God. He is with us. That's a promise that's been given to us. So how do we become strong and courageous believers? It is by being conscious of the presence of God in our life. Back in the 1600s, there was a simple man by the name of Brother Lawrence. And he wrote a book entitled Practicing the Presence of God. And you can go to the bookstores even today and find the book. It's been reprinted, has been reprinted and reprinted and reprinted and reprinted through the years. Written in the 1600s. But back in the 1600s, Brother Lawrence was walking through the woods. He's age 18, is in the depth of winter. And the thought suddenly flashed through his mind that those very trees which stood before him, naked and bare, would soon be clothed in all the glory of luxuriant leafage quivering in the summer breeze. And in, a very, in that moment, he realized that God must be there. And if God was there, he was everywhere. And he wrote these words, he is here close beside me, and he is everywhere so that I can never again be out of his holy presence. And he would spend the rest of his life cultivating the thought that God was present. And he was right. There's never a moment that you're not in the presence of God. There's nowhere you can go you're not in the presence of God. So you are made strong and you are made courageous by being conscious of the presence of God in your life. Now what does God's presence mean to us? What did it mean to Joshua? God said to Joshua, I am with thee. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And whithersoever thou goest, I will be with thee. What did that presence mean? Notice what he said to him in the latter part of verse 5. He said to him in the latter part of verse 5, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. What does it mean since God is with us? It means, number one, that God will not fail us. I want you to know something tonight. God will never let you down. That word fail simply means to abandon. What he's telling Joshua is, Joshua, I will never abandon you. You're moving into a land of Canaan, the land that I have given you, and I want to remind you that I will never abandon you. I will never fail you. I want you to understand something tonight. God is with us. We live in the presence that comes when the Lord Jesus is not walking at the side of his saints. Lover and friend may stand afar, but he walks beside them through the fires. He fords with them through the rivers. He stands by them face to face with the lion. We can never be alone. Isn't that great? To realize that God is with us and to be conscious of his presence, understanding that God will not fail us. In other words, God is a faithful God. I was reading not too long ago about a king 
back in the early, late 1600s and early 1700s. Uh, and I don't know that I'm pronouncing this name right. And uh, you wouldn't know if I was pronouncing it right or wrong anyway. But I read about a king by the name of Jalo the Filth of Portugal. And again, I don't know if I pronounced that right or not. But he paid, I read an interesting story about this king. He paid almost a quarter of a billion dollars for two words, Ray Fidelissimo. Fidelissimo. And which means most faithful king. He paid exactly $234 million, and that's in 1741, for this title. And thus he was able to wear the title, the most faithful king. But in so doing, he exhausted all the wealth of Portugal that they had extracted from Brazil up to that time. And when this most faithful king died, there was not even enough money in the treasury to bury him decently, and a public collection was taken to defray the cost of his funeral. But I thought about God. Now, he is a faithful God. He did not have to buy that title. He did not have to earn that title. He is faithfulness in himself. He is a faithful God. Thus, he will not fail us. How do you, beget str- how do you become strong? How do you become a strong and a courageous believer? It is by realizing that God is with you and that he will not fail you. Second of all, he says to us that he will never forsake us. Not only he will never fail us, but he'll never forsake us. You see that word forsake there in verse 5, the latter part of verse 5? It literally means, I will not leave you in a lurch. You see, here's God's promise to Joshua. Joshua, I am with you. Wherever you go, I'll be with you just like I was with Moses. And he was saying to Joshua, I never left Moses in a lurch. I will not leave you in a lurch. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. I am your God, and I am with you. Look what he said in the first part of verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. God was saying to Joshua, nobody, no man will ever prevent you from doing what I've called you to do. No man will be able to stop you. No man will be able to keep you from doing what I have called you to do and from having what I have given you. And why was that? Because God was with Joshua. Now, I want to remind you tonight, get this. God is with us. Do you believe that tonight? Do you really believe that tonight? God is with us. And one of the privileges we have is to live every day conscious of the fact that God is with us. He is present. He will never fail us. He will never forsake us. So how do you become a strong and a courageous believer? Number one, be conscious of the presence of God. Look at the second thing in the text. How do you become a strong and courageous believer? Not only be conscious of the presence of God, but be confident in the promises of God. Look what he said to him in verse 6. He not only tells him in verse 5 that he is with him, his presence is with him, But he says to Joshua in verse 6, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. You know what God said to Joshua right there? He said, Joshua, don't worry about it. I have given them the land and there will come a day when you will divide the land among the tribes that I have promised to give. He's saying, Joshua, you're fixing to go in uncharted territory. You're fixing to go away. You've never gone before. But I want you to know something. I have given you the land. 
I will be with you. This is my promise to you. I promise you the land of Canaan, and there will come a day that you will divide the land that I have given to you. It was a promise that God gave to Joshua. A promise that not only God had given to Joshua, but a promise that God had given the children of Israel. Now, how do you become strong? How do you become a courageous believer? It is by being confident in the promises of God. How many of you got a Bible tonight? Would you hold it up, please? You know what that Bible is? That is the Word of God. And everything God said in this book is absolutely true. And every promise God made in this book is absolutely true. And you can lean on the promises of God. You can believe the promises of God. You can trust the promises of God. And by doing so, you become a strong and a courageous believer. It's by being confident in the promises of God. Now look at a couple of things about these promises. For one thing, they were promises given by God. Promises that had been given to the children of Israel. From Abraham's time, I will give thee the land. I will bring thee into the land. A promise reaffirmed to Moses. He said, Moses, I'm going to use you to take them out of Egypt and to bring them into a land that I will give thee. And on and on through their history, God kept reminding them, I am going to give you the land. It was a promise given to the children of Israel. Here's a promise given to Joshua. It is God giving his promises. Now listen to me tonight. I want you to understand something. When I talk about this Bible tonight, I'm talking about God's word to man. And when I talk about promises in the Word of God, I'm talking about promises God made to me and promises God made to you. Promises that involve all of our lives and promises involve every area of our life. They are God-given promises. I don't know where I read it, but I remember reading one time someone said there are over 32,000 promises in the Bible. And I don't know how exactly how many they are. I don't know if it's 32,000 or 3,200. I don't know. But all I know is this. God's given us promises. And they're promises I can lean on and promises I can trust Him. They're promises given by God. But second of all, they're promises guaranteed by God. But notice what he said in the latter part of verse 6. He said, I'm gonna, he said there's coming a day that you will divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. And you see that word swear, that word literally means to seven oneself. To seven oneself. And when you talk about to seven oneself, it goes back to that custom of someone entering into a contract and someone making a deal with one individual and making a vow that they will pay this money or they're going to do this, and they would repeat it seven times to emphasize the security of the deed or the contract they were entering. Thus, to seven oneself, to guarantee, to ratify, to verify that this is what is going to be done. And when God said, I seven myself, he is guaranteeing to the children of Israel, I will give you the land. He is guaranteeing to Joshua, you will divide the land. You see, the promises of God have not only been given to us, but they're guaranteed by God to us. Hey, listen to me. What God promised in the Bible is true. Now, I've heard people say this before, but I trusted the promises. I claimed the promise, and nothing didn't happen. Uh, that, not, you blame that on yourself. You don't blame that on God. Somewhere it wasn't right with you. Now, God's promises are true. I don't care what the promises is and what the promise God has made. God's promise is true been down this road too many years to doubt that. I've seen too many times where God fulfilled a promise in my life and where God met my needs. They're guaranteed by God. 
I think about a poem I ran across many, many years ago I have never forgot, but I love. Someone wrote, when thou passest through the waters, deep the waves may be in cold. But Jehovah is our refuge and his promise is our hold. For the Lord himself hath said it, he the faithful God in true. When thou comest to the waters, thou shalt not go down, but thou shalt go through. Threatening breakers of destruction, doubts and sinuous undertow, shall not drag us, shall not sink us out to ocean's depths of woe. For his promise shall sustain us. Praise the Lord whose word is true. We shall not go down or under, for he said, thou shalt go through. There are guaranteed promises. And your life as a believer, I'm going to say this, if you never learn to trust God and take God at His word and believe the promises of God, you'll never be a strong and a courageous believer. Because there'll be times that you'll have nothing to lean upon and to trust Him but the promises of God. But if you want to be strong and courageous, be conscious of the presence of God. And second of all, be confident in the promises of God. But look at the third and the final thing. How do you become a strong and a courageous believer? One, be conscious of the presence of God. He is with us. Be confident in the promises of God. His word is true. But number three, be committed to the word of God. Be conscious of the presence of God. Be committed to the promises of God. And be, be uh, uh, confident in the promises of God and be committed to the Word of God. Look what he said to Joshua in verse 7 and 8. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. He tells Joshua to be committed to the Word of God. Joshua, I'm with you. Just like I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Be strong and courageous. Joshua, I made you a promise, and you can be sure that I will keep my promise. Be strong and very courageous. And he said, Joshua, here's my word. Now, here's what I want you to do with my word, that you might be strong and courageous. Are you listening to me? How do you become a strong and a courageous believer? How do you become a strong and a courageous child of God? How do you become victorious? Then the word of God is vital in your life. It's possible that some sitting in this room tonight did not pick your Bible up this week until you picked it up this morning and come to church. I want to say to you, you'll never be a strong and a courageous Christian. You let days go by and you don't take time in God's Word, you will never be a strong and a courageous Christian. Notice what God told Joshua to do. He said, first of all, Joshua, there's to be a dedication to the Word of God. He said in verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which my Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou may prosper whithersoever thou goest. He said, Joshua, there has got to be a dedication to the word. Joshua, there's got to be this commitment that you are going to observe. And you see that word observe? It's a word that simply means to take heed. Joshua, you make this commitment in, my, in your life that you are going to take heed to whatever I tell you to do. Joshua, 
you are going to keep the Word of God. There's going to be a dedication to the Word. You want to be strong? Then you do what God tells you in His Word to do. You don't argue with the Word of God. When it comes to the Bible, the Bible is not up for discussion. The Bible is settled. It's final. It's God's final word of authority. You do it. If God tells you to do it, that's what you do. If God tells me to do it, that's what I do. God says, don't do it, I don't do it. It's because why? That's the Bible. That's God's word. And I am to be obedient. I am not turned either to the right or to the left, but to do what the word of God has to say. I remember reading one time about General Montgomery when he took over the forces of North Africa. And things went a mess over there, and it had been a series of defeats and whatever, and General Montgomery took over uh, the forces there in North Africa, and he turned things around almost overnight. But one of the ways he did so, he walked in there, and he made it very clear, my orders are not for discussion, but for to be obeyed. And he made this statement later. He said to them, he said, orders no longer form the basis for discussion, but for action. In other words, he went and said, look, what I say is law. What I say is final. You don't argue with it. You don't discuss it. I tell you what to do, and you do it. Now, that's the way it is when it comes to the Bible. This is the Word of God. you believe that? It's God's Word. And when God tells us to do something, we are to do it, to take heed to the Word of God. You want to be strong? If you fight with whatever God wants you to do in his life and what he tells you to do in the word of God, you'll never be strong. But to be strong and courageous, there's got to be a dedication to the word. But second of all, not only a dedication of the word, dedication to the word, but there is a proclamation of the word. For notice what he said in verse 8, first part. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. See where it is? It's in his mouth. Not only is there to be a dedication to the word, to observe whatever God tells him in his word, to do whatever God says, a commitment to do in the word of God. But there's also a proclamation of that word. The word is never to depart out of his mouth. And the fact that he speaks of his mouth indicates that everywhere Joshua's to go, he's be telling people what God said. Everywhere he's going, he's their leader. And he is to talk about the word of God. He is to tell the people the word of God. He is to teach the people the word of God. There is to be the constant proclaiming of what God said in his word. Now listen to me. When it comes to this Bible, we have the same responsibility. Kevin's talking about going out on Tuesday night with the water leaders. Why do we have faith classes and faith training on Thursday night? Why is it? Because we have been given this command by God to be proclaimers of his word. To let others know what the Bible says. To let others know what God said. There is to be a commitment to the Word of God. There is to be a dedication to the Word. And there is to be a proclamation of the Word. But look in verse 8 as well. Not only a dedication to the Word and a proclamation of the Word, but a meditation in the Word. He said, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe, there it is again, to do according to all that is written therein. Meditation is a lost art in our day. Reading is a lost art. Reading, I don't, people say, well, I don't like to read. And I get, I meet preachers all the time. I say, I, I'm with someone, I say, what are you reading? What, are you, what have you read lately that just really, uh, really ministered to your heart? And I hear this all the time. Well, I don't have time to read. And I want to think, well, what are you doing? That's what you're supposed to be doing, amen? Excuse me, I didn't mean to get off on that track there. But people don't read anymore. And especially people don't stop and meditate anymore. But one of the things God said to Joshua, and one of the things he said, which is a key to your spiritual success, is that you're to meditate day and night in the Word. I think about something I came across one time by William Grimshaw. And this is what he said about meditation. He said, meditation is the soul's chewing. The soul's chewing. 
And I think he got that idea from the matter of the word. The word meditation, you said, literally means to talk to yourself. Meditation is to talk to yourself. I, I talk to myself in my study. I all the time when I'm trying to figure something out, trying to divide a passage and trying to get the thoughts and whatever, I just get up and walk around and study and try and talk and, and, and whatever like that, trying to figure that out. And somebody listens sometimes in my study there, they think it's time for the boys with the white coats to come get the preacher. But that's what he's talking about, talk to yourself. It's like just getting something and just talking that thing through and you're talking to yourself and, and figuring out, analyzing that thing out and getting out. Literally, sometimes the word meditation was used to describe a cow chewing her cud. Now, you, some of you farm folks know that a cow has more than one stomach. And so what you have is this cow laying out in the field on a sunny day. And so it reaches down and gets a big old mouth of grass and it chews and it chews and it chews and it chews and then swallows it and stores it in stomach number one. And she'll reach over here and get another big old bite of grass and she'll chew and she'll chew on that and chew on that and chew on that. And if it's good, to be good old slobber run out of the corner of her mouth. And she'll chew and she'll chew and she'll swallow it in stomach number two. And through the whole process. Well, in a little while, it's been so good. What she'll do is, uh, let me find the right word for it. She'll resurrect it up again. That's a good word. She'll resurrect that grass up again. And she'll chew it a little more. And chew it and chew it and chew it and chew it. See, every time you go to get a glass of milk, you're eating chewed grass. Amen right there. But what she's doing, that cow or he, whatever, they're chewing that grass and swallowing it and then bringing it back up and chewing it more. She is assimilating that. She's chewing over and getting all of the nutrients and all the flavor and everything out of that grass and rechewing it and, and whatever like that, getting everything out of it she can. And the ideal of meditation is the chewing of the soul. It is taking a thought of God or taking a verse of Scripture or even a word and just chewing on that and chewing on that and just thinking about it and talking to yourself about it and working that thing through and getting out of it and drawing out of it everything God has got in that word or that statement or that verse or that chapter or that book for you. He said to Joshua, Joshua, I want you to be a strong and a courageous Christian. And one of the things essential to you being strong and courageous is your commitment to the Word of God. You draw the line in the sand, Joshua, that you're going to take heed to whatever I tell you to do, and you're going to do it. And Joshua, I want you to tell the people what I say. Everywhere you go, be my witness. Tell people what I have to say in my Word. And Joshua, I want you to live in the Word day and night. I want it to be a very part of your being. I want it to be a very part of your soul. I want you to chew on God's Word, and I want you to feast on God's Word, and I want you to think through God's Word to get out of that Word everything I have for you. You know what most folks, when they, what they want when they come to church anymore? They want to be entertained. All they want is somebody just to kind of make them feel better and somebody just kind of work them up a little bit. And I'm not against excitement and praise and worship and joy, and you know that. But I want to tell you something. What is missing in this generation is people that have come and say, I want to hear from God. And I want to get in God's book, and I want to hear what God has to say. And I want to leave saying, I got something from the book. 
What happens, we'll come to church on Sunday morning and nobody says amen. And Raymond, he's quiet. Mary Ruth has fussed at him all week, so he don't shout. Nobody praises the Lord and we go home and say, boy, we had a dead service today. And you had a dead service because you didn't feel anything. But I ask you, did you hear anything? And did you listen to anything? And if you'll listen, and maybe nobody runs the aisle, maybe nobody shouts, but if you got a word from God, we had a good service. And it's getting from God and growing in the word of God. That's essential to being strong. You take those who have no place for the word of God and have no place for being obedient to God and his word, they're a very, very shallow and weak kind of a believer. But those that are strong and those that are courageous, they've realized something. God is with them every day of their life. They don't have to fear. They don't have to fear tomorrow. They don't have to fear what happens in life. They don't have to fear at all. God is going to be there, and he'll never fail them nor forsake them. And his promises are true, and they can lean on his promises, and they can trust in his promises, and knowing that they will not collapse or break, his promises are true, and they're strong because there has been this commitment to the Word of God, a dedication to it, and a proclamation of it, and a meditation in the Word of God. That is just a small fraction of what it means to be a victorious Christian. It is being strong and courageous. Let's stand to our feet. I'm interested in that. I want to be a victorious believer. And I want to be a strong and courageous believer. God tells me some of the elements involved in being strong and courageous. Be conscious of the presence of God, confident in the promises of God, and committed to to the Word of God. Let's bow our heads, please. You've listened well. Thank you. We sing in just a moment. I wondered if there are others tonight in this room got a real interest in victorious Christian living. If I was given a title to the book of Joshua, it'd simply be Victory in Jesus because that's where our victory is. It is in Christ. Their victory was in Canaan, in a land. Our victory is in Christ, our Lord. Victory in Jesus. And victory in Christ means that we're strong and courageous believers. We do not fear tomorrow. We're not dismayed by the circumstances. We are strong and we are courageous. And it's because of God's presence and God's promises and His Word. Again, I wonder, I wonder how many tonight in this room are interested in victorious Christian living. Won't you come in a moment we sing and just begin to talk to God about the things tonight. Won't you just say, dear God, forgive me of failing to realize and be conscious of your presence in my life. Lord, forgive me for not taking you at your word and trusting your word. I worry and I fret about this. I'm dismayed and I'm discouraged about this. But dear God, here's your promises and we'll trust them. And get into the word of God that you may know what his promises are. Get into the word of God that you may know what God has to say to you about certain circumstances. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we want to live victoriously. We want to be an overcomer. We want to be a strong and courageous believer. There are times in life when things threaten us and times that certain situations become fearful and intimidating. But dear God, you are with us and you'll not fail us nor forsake us. 
and we always rely on your promises, promises that we know because we've got in your word and chewed on the word of God. Lord, may we do a lot of soul chewing in the days to come just that we might be victorious. Speak to us tonight. Give us a body of believers that know something about real victory, victorious Christian living. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some have already come. There may be others that want to come. It's just being committed to his word, confident in his promise, and conscious of his presence, being a strong and courageous Christian. One verse, and then we're going to pray. One stanza, and that's it. We're going to be praying. Others that may want to come, you do so because you have great interest in being a victorious Christian as we sing. Amen. Yes, it is. Just to take him at his word. Yes, it is. Knowing that they are true upon his promise. Amen. Yes. Thus saith the Lord. Sing it with them. Yes. How I trust you. Sing it. Amen. Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Oh, yes. Praise the Lord. Learn to live in Canaan. Live in Canaan now. Let me remind you of all the things going on this week. You want to be a part of the many, many things that are going on Wednesday night. I will be here Wednesday night. And so you don't want to forget Wednesday night being the services. Of course, all the youth meetings, all the other things that are going on. Just a lot of activities for you to be involved in. And we encourage you to participate in all these things. Just grow in your Christian life and to learn more about just what it is to be a child of God. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave tonight.